You, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love. For they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. And then over to Nahum. I know, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, Rod, it's about time. We've been begging you for 15 years to preach from Nahum. And uh, so those of you who have been asking for this and pleading for this, which is nobody in this room, uh, you know, I, I will satisfy you today in uh, preaching from Nahum. We'll start Nahum chapter 1. An oracle concerning Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum of Elkosh. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. And the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. His way is in the whirlwind and storm. And the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither. The bloom of Lebanon withers. The mountains quake before him. The hills melt. The earth heaves before him. The world and all who dwell in it. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the heat of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire and the rocks are broken into pieces by him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. But with an overflowing flood, he will make a complete end of the adversaries and will pursue his enemies into darkness. What do you plot against the Lord? He will make a complete end. Trouble will not rise up a second time. For they are like entangled thorns, like drunkards as they drink. They are consumed like stubble fully dried. From you came one who plotted evil against the Lord, a worthless counselor. Thus says the Lord, though they are at full strength and many, they will be cut down and pass away. Though I have afflicted you, I will afflict you no more. And now I will break his yoke from off you and will burst your bonds apart. The Lord has given commandment about you. No more shall your name be perpetuated. From the house of your gods I will cut off the carved image and the metal image. I will make your grave for you are vile. Behold upon the mountains the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace. Keep your feasts, O Judah. Fulfill your vows. For never again shall the worthless pass through you. He is utterly cut off.
May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, for quite a number of years, you may or may not be aware that uh, for quite a number of years, I have been praying um, that God would bring in uh, more worship leaders in the life of the church. And it's been something uh, uh, for years I've asked the Lord for drummers, you know, because drummers are always in short supply. Uh, You can never have too many drummers, kind of in, in my own humble opinion and other musicians that can play. And I've just cried out to the Lord and asked the Lord to bring things in and bring people in and and all that. And and from time to time, the Lord has, and and people have come and people have gone. And it's very frustrating. It's been very frustrating at times because I think, you know, what what is the Lord doing? And then I get friends like my friend J.C. Alzamora that's come in and prophesied on a couple of occasions, you know, that God is sending... um, that God is sending reinforcements, the Calvary is coming, you know, and I keep thinking, well, the Calvary is pretty slow in coming, and, and all of that, and, and so that, that's something that's been kind of an undercurrent in my own heart and mind for quite a number of years, actually, uh, that I've been doing this. Now you kind of set that to the side, uh, and I tell you, don't you just love the, the, young, the young people in our worship team? Isn't that cool? Yeah. You know, it is, it is so fun to play, and I tell you, you know, one of the times that almost every week I really, really deeply, deeply sense the goodness of God is when we're leading worship together. Uh, there are times, man, when, I, when I, I'm thinking in my mind, God, this is so good that if I would die this moment, I would die a very, very happy person. Uh, there, there are times when I hear Samuel play and I think, man, that is so good. I'm not to embarrass you, man, but that, that is so, that, that is so good. It's just, just exactly right. And I'm thinking, how can he do this exactly right? I, I had a song that I wrote back in, uh, I think it was back about 1995 or so. We haven't done it for a while. Well, I'll pull it out and we'll do it again, uh, sometime pretty soon. Uh, and uh, we, it's called We Come Into His Presence, and, and, I, and I've really enjoyed it. It's a kind of a fun song, uh, and I've really enjoyed it, but you know, uh, I'd played it on and off for years, but, uh, but until I played it with, with Samuel there, I, it, it, it was never complete, you know, and then after with Samuel around, I'm like, okay, now the song is complete. It works, you know, I love that, you know, and then, and then Joshua coming in there and being such a, you know, just a, a strong and, and stable foundation there, and now, and now Io, man, you know, coming up on the piano, and you see that intensity there, and, and all the stuff going at that, and then singing, and I knew the thing, and, and, uh, and, and, and Ashe, you know, really lovely voice, and we got to get the flute back in there, because we, we really love the flute, she's got to practice that a little bit more, and then, then Ade, I mean, this guy on the drums... Uh, he's done things right that I've worked with drummers for years that never got right in, in terms of some of the songs. And he just kind of, he, he just picked up with it, you know. And I just kind of, it's the kind of thing you just want to, you know, just either kiss him or be terribly jealous of him that, that it's come. And, and I look and it's, it's just so good. It is so good. And I just sense the goodness of God and I rejoice in the goodness of God. And it is amazing to experience the goodness of God. Now, you know something, if you, if you compare these two things that I've just told you, and you think deeply about it, you will see something very quickly. 
If God had answered the prayer that I started to pray five or six years ago, five or six years ago, and if God had brought maybe a world-class drummer into City Temple and perhaps uh, uh, some other world-class musicians and, and maybe, you know, Tim Hughes, you know, he came, he decided to defect from uh, HTB and come to the real church in the city and come over here to City Temple or, you know, something like that or get some kind of named guy in here. You know, I, I tell you, we would have had great, great worship and great worship teams and things like that. But we would have not had this moment in time to experience the goodness of God in the way that we have. And I have been part of a lot of worship teams over the years. I have played with musicians that have toured internationally. Uh, I'm not one of them. But I've played with musicians who have toured internationally. I have played in front of very large groups and very small groups. And I tell you, some of the music that's coming out in these days are some of the most soul enriching, delightful, satisfying things. And if you tune in, you'll pick up on it. And I think you have picked up on it. And, and there are times when you say, well, you know, it's, we, we need a lot more people here because it's so great. But actually, there's so many angels here because I think the angels are starting to congregate. And it's not because of me. It, it's just because of what God is doing. And it's a manifestation of the goodness of God. But the problem is... That you know something? Five years ago, Ade was just a wee bit too small to be playing the drums. And he wasn't, didn't have the stamina. Five years ago, Samuel wasn't up on his game in terms of his talent. Five years ago, Io wasn't ready to play. It's, so many things had to come together. And do you know that even before that, God has been preparing these young people... I say young people because I'm old people these days. But they, they've been, because they're not, you know, they're like young adults, you know. So should I call you young people, youngins? What, what should I call you, Joshua? Anything but look at me and ask me what to call you. Okay, I get that. <laughs> I get the picture. Uh, you know, it, God has been preparing this point in time for a very, very long time to manifest his goodness. God is good. And that's always true. As we saw last week, three great characteristics of God, which are all three of which are always true all the time. God is holy, means he, he is eternal, he's set apart, he's awesome, he's perfect, uh, and so on and so on. God is love which means he's a self-giving God. He's zealous for the, the good of other people. And God is good. And those characteristics always go together. And those characteristics are always true of God, no matter what we feel, no matter what we see, no matter what we experience. And we have to have a faith-filled confidence in the goodness of God if we are going to live our lives to the fullest as Christians. Many of us either do not believe that God is really good, and that's because we've had a lot of not good experiences in our lives, uh, or we believe that God is good, but not to me. And we have to choose to believe 
that God is good and God is good to me and God is good to us. And that belief is a choice. It's a choice you have to make and it's a choice you have to make every single day no matter what you're going through. Even though in one respect it's not been very significant or, or wasn't very uh, a major distress in my life, those years that I was crying out to God for more worship leaders in the church, they were uncomfortable years. You know, there were times when I was exhausted and, and didn't want to press in. There were times when I just wanted to, to lay it all aside. There are times when I didn't want to continue, but I continued. I continued to pray. I continued to cry out. I continued to lead. I continued to obey because I'm confident that God is good. Even though the experience I was having at the time was not pleasant. And God's goodness has now been manifested in a small way, but a significant way, in what God is doing in our midst. And I just pray that God will allow us to hold on to that for as long as possible. And when the time comes that that fades, which it always does, it always does. You know, Samuel's talking about going to Cambridge. And, uh, you know, I I told him that, uh, uh, you know, he could leave home uh, to go to school and just move in with us. But he didn't seem to be happy about that option. So, you know, the times will come. I mean, things will change. But we have this manifestation of God's goodness. And we know it's there. And we have to have confidence it's going to come. And confidence that God is good to me all the time. Even when my experiences and my perceptions don't meet up to that reality. Because fundamental to God's character is His goodness. If you deny the goodness of God, if you choose not to believe in the goodness of God, it's an insult to the Lord. It's not something that's neutral, understand. It's just like saying, God, you're not holy. You're not great. You're not the creator. You're not holy other. You're dependent upon us. You're just as messed up as we are. That is an affront to God. Or to say, God, you're not loving. You will kill people mercilessly whenever you want to and you will treat them harshly and you'll treat them wrongly and and then you'll just release them and and throw them away after you've used them for your own benefit because you're not loving. Those things are an affront to God. And when we say, God, you're not good, or we think that God's not good, or we think that God's not good to us, we're doing something that's not neutral. It's an affront to the Lord. And so we have to choose to believe that God is good because that is an essential part of his character. That's an essential part of his character. God is good. He always is good. He always works for the good. He is inherently in the very depths of his being, in his unchanging, immutable is the technical word, unchanging character, God is good. And we have to choose to believe that. We have to choose to believe it even when life doesn't seem good because there will be lots of times when it's not. And that's where David starts to speak to us. And he says here in the psalm, we look down toward the end of the passage that we read, he says this, he says, good and upright is the Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Now, 
We understand good. We've been hearing this. We, good. What, what does upright have to do with good? And it's this. The idea behind upright is, is really, you know, be standing up straight. Or something that is upright will be something that's in a straight path. Now the problem is, many times, we choose to believe that God is good, but we think that God's goodness is rather fickle. That almost he's like a doddering old grandfather that, you know, he's kind of hanging around, he's kind of wandering around a bit, and, and he'll dole out a few quid here and there uh, as we need it. And, and you know, and he'll be, he'll be good. And, and sometimes he'll be extravagantly good to us and, and, and that. But we never quite know when his goodness is going to come. And, and, you know, and, and it's not that it's undependable. It, it is dependable. We know it's going to come. We just don't know when it's going to come and you know, when God is going to get around to being good to us. But David says this, he says, good and upright is the Lord. What does this mean? It means that God will get to the good as quickly as possible in the most direct way possible. That God is not fickle in his goodness, that God is not wanton in his goodness, that God is not wandering in his goodness, that God is straight in his goodness. That just like in the example I started out with, Five years ago, God could not have manifested His goodness as He's done in this season that we're in. Five years ago, it wasn't ready. Five years ago, the stage wasn't set. And so God was looking. He heard the prayer. He heard the cry. And He said, okay, I am going to answer that prayer with good. And I'm going to answer that prayer with good in a way you don't expect in a way you don't see, in a way that you don't understand right now, you can't understand right now, but in a way that's going to give you more joy than if I answered the prayer in the way you think I should answer the prayer. And that's exactly what he did. And God spent the time crafting his goodness so that in the right time, when it was ready to be revealed, it could be revealed in all of its glory. And David says that God does this the most direct way possible. That God is doing this, in one sense, the quickest way possible, the way that won't go off course, the way that cannot be sidetracked. Uh, God is going to bring it about. Now, how do we know that that's what he's saying? Because look what he goes on to say here. He says, Therefore... He instructs sinners in the way. So what's God doing? God says, okay, you want good. I want to give you good. Believe that I am good. Choose to have faith in my goodness because that's my character. And I am going to be good for you. And so what I'm going to have to do, because I want to get your goodness as quickly as possible, I want to get you to that point. So I'm going to have to instruct you as someone who wanders off, who misses the mark, who goes astray, I'm going to have to instruct you in the way that you need to go. So you need to listen to me, because if you're listening to me and you're faithful to me, I will get you to the goodness as quickly as possible. That's my intention for you. That's where I'm going to take you. 
And that's why he goes on then to say, he leads the humble in what is right, and he teaches the humble his way. So what is the key thing that we have to do? We have to have humility. And humility is saying, okay, God, I have no idea what you're doing, but I believe that you're good, and I'm going to trust that you're good, and I'm going to trust that you're leading me, even though I think my way is better than your way right now. Because that's what happens to us. Many of us, if not most of us, go through a lot of our life believing, we wouldn't say this, but believing as demonstrated by our actions that we think our way is better. And that God's really not that good because if he really was good, he'd listen to it, uh, to us and do things our way. So what do we need? We need humility. We need the humility to understand that our knowledge is limited, that we don't know what the good is, which any more than I knew what the good that God wanted to bring about, which was really good, would be. And so I had to follow him and I had to be humble and walk in that path. And that happens in, in every area of life. It happens in our relationships. It happens in our relationships. You know, when I got married, when I was, you know, awakening to, to interest in women, I knew Karen. I've known Karen since we were both 12 years old. And I want to tell you, for the first six years I knew her, I wasn't at, at, at all interested in her. She would not have been the person that I would have picked. She wouldn't have been the person that my mom would have picked. But God knew something that I didn't know, that our marriage was going to be good. <clears throat> and it meant listening to the Lord and following that leading, even though my own choices might have been different, to come to a place where now I can't imagine anyone else that I've known in my lifetime being a better wife than my wife to me. We have to be humble in that so that the Lord will instruct us. If we're not humble, you know, all we do is postpone the goodness that he is crafting for us. And you see, the issue here is that God is crafting this goodness. God is crafting good for us. He's not just zapping it out of the air. God is crafting things for a revelation of good taking the time that it needs, not only so it will be really good, but also so that we are ready to receive it as good and not just reject it and walk away from it. And that's why then David goes on to say, all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. So what the Lord is doing as he's leading us, even though we have no idea where it's going, even though we don't know what's happening, the Lord is leading us in the way of steadfast love and faithfulness. And if we stay on that path, we will get to the goodness as long as we keep his covenant and his testimonies. In other words, we have a responsibility to listen to him, to live our lives in the way that he tells us to live our lives, to live our lives in relationship with other people to whom he's called us, to do the things he's told us to do, to fulfill our spiritual gifts, use our spiritual gifts, uh, exercise everything he's told us, seek his way. We have to walk in that covenant relationship with him, not in a legalistic way, but through faith in Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, 
we walk in this way because it's steadfast love and faithfulness. It is the most direct path to the revelation of His goodness. And many times we walk off the path and we miss the goodness or we walk away from it or we delay it, not because God wants to delay it, but because we don't listen and we aren't humble and we don't obey. We don't follow the Spirit inside of us. And so we delay it or sometimes, sadly, we can even miss God's goodness that He's crafted for us if we're not listening. And so that's the call. We have to have that faith that God is good. But that leads us to kind of a testy issue. What happens when it seems like everything around us is definitely not good? What happens when we're going through all kinds of difficult situations? I know there have been many seasons in my own life where I've gone through a lot of heartache and a lot of suffering that went on not for a week or two, that went on for several years, where I was surrounded by difficulty, and I was surrounded uh, by people who didn't like me, uh, and, uh, and, you know, situations that just weren't working out, and all kinds of pain and heartache, and, and so many things. And it just really seemed like the whole world was against me and everything was working against me and all of life around me was about to fall apart. And there were times when I didn't know if I could keep going another day, let alone another week, let alone another month. And times when I just wanted to give up because the opposition was so strong and so tense and tense and so difficult. And it really puts me in mind of what was happening in the context that Nahum is speaking about, you know, where uh, Nineveh is against uh, the people of God. They're causing, doing everything that they can to cause them trouble. There's all kinds of stuff that is going on around them. And, you know, you look at the description of what is happening, and it's a terrible, terrible, terrible kind of situation. And it's like God's wrath is being poured out, and people are opposed to them. And, you know, it's like... Uh, God is, is opposed to them and people are opposed to them and everything is just, that seems to be able to go wrong is going wrong and they're tempted to walk away. They're tempted to run away. They're tempted to go after other gods. Everything is falling apart. It doesn't seem good. It seems the absolute antithesis of good, the, like the worst kind of thing that could possibly happen. And notice what he says here, right in the middle. It's such a break in the whole narrative. But verse 7, he says, the the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. And he's saying here that we have to have faith that God is good, that that does not change. He's holy, he's loving, he's good. That is part of his essential character. We have to believe that God is good, trust in his goodness, humble ourselves to listen to him, follow him with the confidence that he will get us to the good as quickly as possible. And that confidence in the goodness of the Lord, that becomes our stronghold in the day of trouble. I know that there were times in my life when I wanted to quit, when I wanted to walk away, when I wanted to give everything up and just go do something else. But I kept saying, Lord, I know that you're good. 
I know that you're good and I believe in your goodness and I know that no matter what I'm going through now, that you are going to bring me to a good place. And I rested in that goodness of the Lord even when I wasn't experiencing it, even when I didn't feel it in my life, even when I didn't see it around me, I would rest in the goodness of the Lord. And time after time after time after time, the Lord has brought me through that season and put me in a good place. Because the Lord is good, and his, as a good God, He is the refuge for His people. And He knows His people. He knows that we love Him. He knows who we are. And He has determined good for us. And that goodness becomes a refuge but it only becomes a refuge if we choose to believe it. We have to choose faith in God's goodness because so much of life will seem to tell us God is not good. We have to choose faith in God's goodness because so many things that the world says is good we know are not good. We choose faith in God's goodness that he intends good for us because he is good for us and he will get us to that good place. And we do that because we know that God has revealed his goodness not only in relationship with us but supremely and fully in his son Jesus Christ. The thing that seemed most horrible, most awful in all of the world at the time, the cross, God took, hung his son there and said, this is good. Because by this cross, I can manifest my goodness to all who will believe and receive. And I will show you that I'm good because I'm not going to leave my son there in the grave. The third day, he's alive. Just like he said. Because I am a good God. And even though the way seemed painful and torturous, and actually the way was painful and torturous, God brought good through the cross in the empty tomb. And that same goodness is there for everyone who will follow Jesus. Everyone who will come into covenant with God through the blood of Jesus Christ by saying, Jesus, come, be my Lord, be my Savior. Forgive my sins, lead my life. Fill me with your spirit, for you are good. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much. You are good. No matter what's happening, No matter what we feel, no matter our experience, you are good. We declare your goodness. We praise you for your goodness. We celebrate your goodness. And we ask that you would continue to manifest your goodness in our midst. Manifest your goodness as we worship you now. Manifest your goodness in the the food that we share after the service. Manifest your goodness in our, in, in our church meeting. Manifest your goodness in our fellowship. 
around table. Manifest your goodness in our families, in our friendships. Manifest your goodness in us as a church. And let us be a manifestation of your goodness to people around us. We love you, praise you, worship and adore you. And we thank you that you are good. We pray all this through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Let's all stand together, shall we?